JR and Gala said they wanted to vacation for 11 months in this next year. I, I think they have it planned out. Tom says he wants to change a lot of diapers. When that comes up, Tom's going to have his, I'll change that diaper. Trevor says he wants to keep all of his messages under 45 minutes. <laughs> I'm glad these things aren't recorded. I could get in trouble. Uh, Connie and Rose, as great minds think alike, Connie says she wants to be able to sing at my funeral this next year. <laughs> Rose says she wants to cash in my life insurance policy. So if I'm gone and you see Rose in a new coat and a hat and mittens, you'll know she spent it all in one shot. For me, I'd have to say uh, I want to be raptured. The blessed hope to go with the Lord in the air. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The greatest moment in all of our lives will be when we're raptured and we see the Lord face to face. The early believers used to greet one another with Maranatha. Even so, come Lord Jesus. And it's to be a picture of uh, Christ's love for his bride. And a wedding in Jewish ceremonies was different than it is today. First, the, uh, the father would come together with the groom and say, uh, uh, this is what I'm asking for you to marry my daughter. You remember the story of uh, Laban and Jacob, and he said, I want seven years of labor for you to marry my daughter, Rachel. He worked seven years, and uh, Vail was on Leah, and he realized he had married Leah, not Rachel, so he had to work seven more years uh, to marry. And so they would agree on a price, and the bride would be redeemed, and uh, then the father would say, go prepare a place for your bride. And then the father would say, okay, it's complete. You can go and claim your bride. You remember the story in Matthew 25 where they had to be ready at any moment because the groom could come and claim the bride at any time, and they didn't know it. But their lamps had to be full if it was in the night. And so the parable of the people who, who weren't prepared to meet uh, the groom and the bride. And the, the bride, when she was betrothed, it was as good as if she mar was married. She'd veil herself when she went into the community and they'd say, look, keep your eyes off of her. She's already betrothed to one lover. I wonder when we go out into the world if the world looks at us and say, uh-huh, he doesn't love the world. He and she are betrothed to one lover. That would be a wise thing to do in the coming year, to veil ourselves to the world. Do not love the world, 1 John 2 says, but prepare yourself for the Lord. And <clears throat> the father would say, uh, to his groom in the groom reply I go to prepare a place for you John 14 1 and 2 and if I go I will come again to receive you to myself that where I am you may be also can you imagine that God is preparing a place for us 
It says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come again to receive you to myself. How much per more personal can the heart of God be? Do you know that our relationship with God is a, is a love, romantic relationship? Listen to some of the things it says in the Word of God. Isaiah 62, 5 says, As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so our God rejoices over you. God rejoices over you today. And Zephaniah 3 says, With the single glance of your eye, his heart beats faster and faster. Psalm says, The saints on earth are the majestic ones in whom is all my delight. God loves you. God jumps up and down for joy at you. you. You just turn your glance toward God and it excites His heart. Over and over, Scripture reminds us of the love of God and how much He loves us. Is that your and I's relationship with God? An emotional, loving relationship that stirs our heart and we're betrothed to Him? When God says to his son someday, go claim your bride, it says he's gone and in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Let's read that familiar portion together in 1 Thessalonians 4. Uh, you'll have to read it without it being up there. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. No wonder it's a blessed hope. Can you imagine what the world is going to think when just millions of people disappear on this earth just immediately. There's going to be car wrecks, plane wrecks. Uh, my uh, college roommate was a bike crazy, and I was late for class, and I had to take a test, and I said, Buff, can I borrow your bike? And he said, I've never let anybody ride my bike, but uh, I guess you can. And I ride his bike and come back and we had to hang that thing in the middle of our dorm room and he's got his head down like he's crying. I said, what's wrong? He said, since the moment you left, all I could think about is you've talked about the rapture and I thought, Dave's going to be raptured and my bike is going to get wrecked. <laughs> he forgot more important things about, he would have been left behind. Uh, I took him to a Bible study and a uh, person thought that uh, I had a uh, Christian roommate that I wasn't on the worst dorm floor at Iowa State and they said, uh, D uh, Buff, do you want to close in prayer? And it was complete silence and I almost started 
praying myself, and all of a sudden, Buff says, uh, God, I, I don't know you like these people know you, and David shared with me, and yet I, I've never trusted you as my Savior, and I'd like to right now. <laughs> and so he did, right in that room, and uh, it, was, it was a great thing. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 53. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must be put on immortality. So then, when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Some people think that's just the verse that should be over every nursery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. But it's really talking about the rapture of the church. When is that going to happen? There's different views on that. I, I'm a pre-tribber. I won't let Rose buy post uh, toasties in our house because I want to be re reminded that it's not post, it's pre. Why do I believe that? Because the tribulation is the time of Jacob's trouble. It says, pray that it won't be on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is for the Jewish people. Uh, pray that you don't have to flee to Jerusalem. That's for Jewish people. And uh, it says in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10 that he will keep us from that, that time as he completes each teaching to the church, he says, because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. It's going to be a time of all nations, including the U.S., will someday reject Israel and it says he will come to the earth with his saints. So I think we're already there. And uh, we're enjoying time with him. And then we come uh, to rule and reign with him. I think that the first thing that's going to happen after we're raptured is the judgment seat of Christ when we'll be rewarded for faithfulness to the Lord. Hay, wood, and stubble or... Uh, gold and fine jewelry. One night I had a dream that we were rewarded by modes of transportation because heaven's a vast place. And uh, I was standing there getting ready to get my reward of transportation and Tom comes by and honks his Volkswagen Beetle. And I said, boy, I, I thought the guy at least get a GMC pickup or something, but a Volkswagen Beetle? And then I was humbled as God handed me my skateboard. <laughs> Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12. Speaking of this time, remember it's not a time where we're judged for our sin. 
Jesus has already been judged for our sins. It's a time of reward. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a, a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet so is through fire. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 speaks of the same thing. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or whether bad. I don't know if it's possible for that to be a sad thing because there's no sadness in heaven or if that's a time where uh, Jesus wipes the tears from our eyes and there will be no more crying Someone wrote this, By and by when I look on his face, beautiful face, by and by when I look on his face, I'll wish I'd given him more. More, so much more, more of my life than I've ever done before. By and by when I look on his face, I'll wish I'd given him more. By and by when he holds out his hands, welcoming hands, nail-pierced hands, by and by when he holds out his hands, I'll wish I'd given him more. By and by, when I kneel at his feet, beautiful feet, nail-riven feet, by and by, when, I'll kneel, when I kneel at his feet, I'll wish I'd given him more. In the light of that beautiful face, light from his face, wonderful face, in the light of that beautiful face, I'll wish I'd given him more, more, so much more, treasures unbounded for him I adore. By and by, when I look at his face, I'll wish I'd given him more. Do you think that'll be true? Do you think we should give him more? Not to seek the reward, but to have crowns that we can throw at his feet. Remember uh, Schindler when it came over the loudspeaker that Hitler had been captured and that the war was over. He began to cry and uh, his friend beside him, he said, I could have done more. I wished I would have done more. I wish this next year I'll do more for the Lord Jesus, for his glory. And then after the judgment seat of Christ will be the marriage of the Lamb and the marriage supper of the Lamb. Look at Revelation chapter 19. Greatest event you and I could ever be involved in. No other place in Scripture is it mentioned four times. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. After these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication and he has avenged on her the blood of the servants shed by her. And again they said, Hallelujah. 
Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne saying, Amen, hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you as servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linens, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said, These are true sayings of God. There it is. Can you imagine you and I be being married to God, the bride of Christ? Notice it's, it's singular, the bride of Christ. All of us together from Pentecost till the rapture will all be the bride of Christ. Just one. That's why we ought to learn to get along down here because we're going to be one bride of Christ. Oh, there's going to be a bap Baptist in heaven. There's not going to be the name Baptist. They'll just be baptized believers. There are going to be people who gather together with Methodists, but there's not going to be any Methodists in heaven. There's going to be people who have charisma, but there's not going to be any charismatics in heaven. There's going to be people who tremble at the word of God, but there's not going to be any Quakers in heaven. We're all going to be one in Christ, and worthy is he alone. It's amazing how many people don't know that, that God is that personal. He chose 12 men that they might be with him. He continually says, abide by me. He says, sit at my feet like Mary does and enjoy fellowship with me. Do you know that most of the religious world doesn't know that God is personal? Islam would say there's no way you could know uh, Allah and Muhammad personally. I was directing a Bible camp and uh, we were having a uh, campfire and people were sharing their testimonies of how they came to know the Lord as their Savior. And one little, I guess probably a teenage boy stood up and said, uh, I'm a Jehovah Witness and uh, I didn't know that you could know God personally. And I didn't know that you could talk to him like you are talking today. Do you know that every, uh, what do they call the Watchtower Society, tells every kingdom hall what to do and what to say on every Sunday. And it's all filled out for them and, and it's wrote. They do not know that God is personal. A couple weeks ago, I uh, officiated a wedding that was very expensive and very... Uh, Unique, kind of like, I think Beth's probably going to want the same type of wedding. But the uh, mother of the bride was a little fearful of who I was, rightfully so. And we got together and she began to drill me. Uh, do you know how to do this, David? And I said, honestly, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd mix it up. 
She says, do, do you know this ritual? And I say, no, I, I don't know any rituals. Do you know when to say this or when to say that? I say, I don't know any of that. I just have a personal relationship with God and I'm just going to share about that. All of our married life, Rose greased me each day saying this, Oh, David, my great husband, you are so handsome, you are so strong, you are so wise. Of course these things are true, but at first she just read them, and then now she's got them memorized, so she just <laughs> says that every, every day. Now that's not love, or that's not personal, is it? I get a call from the neighbor and says, come over, our son has broke his leg. Would you come over and pray for him? And I said, sure. So I go over and bow our head and I say, give us this day our daily bread in Jesus' name. Well, that wouldn't be the proper prayer. Sometimes people approach God on a rote ritual level and they don't know that God is a romantic, personal relationship God. Last summer we were at a funeral at our neighbor, old neighbor growing up, Joe, and uh, Joe's daughter married a, a minister, and so he started going to church there. And this minister shared at his funeral, Joe was the most unique guy I'd ever met. Do you know that Joe just would stand up and pray to God? He wouldn't read the prayer, or he wouldn't have it memorized, he'd just pray to God. And he said as a minister, I have never once prayed like that to God. If I can't read it or memorize, I don't know how to pray. How sad and unpersonal is that? Above all, our relationship with God is a personal one. I wonder if, uh, like the people uh, commanded that we should practice the uh, rapture as they had to have their lamps full, are we ready to be raptured at any time? It could happen today. Hopefully before uh, you have to listen to me any longer, we, you could be raptured out of here. What's the first thing that's going to happen in the rapture? What do you think? You leave all your earthly belongings behind. I'll pass this around. Your billfolds, your jewelry, <laughs> put in this sack so we can rightfully remember and think uh, about the rapture. And you can tell everybody you were robbed the last day of the year. When we're raptured, immediately we'll be in the presence of the Lord. And the Father is going to say, the Son is going to say to the Father, Father, I present to you my bride. Maybe we ought to stand and think about that. Stand with me and I'm going to say what the Son is going to say to the Father. And you think how you're going to look. You're going to be clothed in garments of salvation. Father, I present to you my bride. I don't look too whippy today or, or ever. 
But someday I am going to look good as the bride of Christ, clothed in garments of righteousness, white beyond all white. And I want to tell you, we're all going to be amazed to stand there and hear the Lord Jesus say that. And Isaiah 53 says, he'll remember the travail of his soul and he'll look at his bride and he'll say, it was worth it. He'll remember that time when the conversation in heaven between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I'd like to bring many sons to glory. And the Father would say, it'll cost you your life. And Jesus will say it was worth it. He'll remember that he was despised and rejected. They spit in his face and pummeled him beyond recognition. They pounded a crown of thorns on his head. They pierced his hands and feet and hung him on a cross. And he'll look at you and me and say, it was worth it. He'll remember those three hours of darkness when he bore my sin and your sin and he was forsaken by God the Father and God the Son, the most difficult thing that the Son has ever done. And even at that, the travail of his soul He'll look at his bride and he'll say, it was worth it. Father, behold my bride. Scripture says we'll sing a new song and I'm not sure what that is because it'll be new, but I've been listening to this in the last couple of weeks and uh, I wonder if we can stand and sing this to the Lord. I'll try not to sing because you don't want to hear me, but uh, let's sing this together to the Lord. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb.
You make good brides. One of my favorite stories is supposedly a true story. One of the richest men in all of Europe had the biggest art collection in all the world, and he passed away with a specific will that there should be an auction for uh, everything that he owned in all of his art collection. And the people from all over the world came to bid on these precious art masterpieces. And the auctioneer brought out a picture of the man's Down syndrome son that he had painted. And he said, who will purchase this picture? Who will receive this picture? The crowd was silent and he asked the question, who will receive this picture of this man's son? And finally, a caretaker who knew the love of the father and the son said, I would like that picture. And he came and he took the picture. And the auctioneer brought down the gavel and said, this auction is over. And again, they mumbled and cried out, how can it be? Let us buy the other pictures. And he said, the man said, whoever receives a picture of my son gets everything. And the father says to you today, whoever receives my son gets everything forever. You and I are heirs and joint heirs of Christ. Everything that is the father's and the son will be ours someday in heaven. Worthy is the lamb.